We're back to the Neil Haley Show and also the media giant effect. Wow, 13 years in the industry as of December 6th. Looking at it, uh, 2023, a big celebration on the 14th year I've been doing radio, television, and podcasting, the hybrid. And I also love having celebrity co-hosts. And I'm excited to welcome Dr. Ted Grellner. Dr. Ted, how are you? And you know what? You're excited about this guest. And we hear the word Radco. You're like, <laughs> wow. And I'm excited <laughs> about who we're going to speak with today. Uh, I mean, I love Christmas and I certainly love uh, ornaments. So I can't wait, wait to hear his story because it's I think it's going to be fascinating. Absolutely. Christopher Radko. Christopher, thanks for stopping by. And did you ever think that your name would be a household name to many, many people? Well, you know, I never really looked at it that way. I mean, I have a brand new company called Heartfully Yours, and I'm the artist or designer, uh, Mr. Christopher Radko. But, you know, it's it's about the ornaments and about the joy and the magic that's in the ornaments in themselves. I can't be on everyone's Christmas tree, but my beautiful Heartfully Yours ornaments, those are my emissaries. They share the joy of my heart on Christmas trees across the country. Hmm. Now, okay. Unfortunately, it seems like your Christmas uh, many years ago uh, turned out to be rather uh, eventful, and, <laughs> and you were not one of the favorite of the family, I understand. Oh, no, kind of. My, 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 my journey started with a holiday accident. I was in my early 20s, and um, I got this huge Christmas tree, a 12-foot Christmas tree. I set it in this beautiful um, aluminum tree stand, and after the entire tree was decorated, one of the legs cracked and the tree listed and buckled and fell over, shattering with it all these old, beautiful glass ornaments, many that had been handed down from my great-grandparents' time. And my grandmother was still alive back then. She rushed into the living room. She said, what's that, that shattering sound? And she saw the tree on the floor, and she saw all these shattered ornaments, and she just kind of shook her head, and she says, you've ruined Christmas forever now. <laughs> so it's that guilt. That guilt, uh, my grandmother's guilt that drove me to create new ornaments. Because back then you couldn't find beautiful glass ornaments. Everything was plastic or styrofoam and made who knows where. Mm -hmm. So I actually went to Europe and I found some uh, traditional glass blowers in countries like Germany and Poland who were willing to make me ornaments provided that I would create the sketches or designs for them. Mm -hmm. And when I brought home these glass recreations based on the ornaments I had as a child, all my friends said, where'd you get these glass ornaments? And who's making glass ornaments anymore? Would you sell them to us? So I was working in a talent agency back then in the mailroom of, a, of an agency called ICM earning about 12,000 a year, which is not very much to get by in New York City. So as a hobby, I started selling glass Christmas ornaments on my lunch hour. And it kind of took off like wildfire. The first year I sold like $25,000 worth. The next year I sold about $100,000 worth. So I was like, okay, I'm onto something. Obviously people want beautiful glass ornaments. And that's really how I started my career with a holiday accident. And so you hustled. I'm gonna, and I'll let you get the next question, Ted. Uh, the, you hustled pretty much as an entrepreneur. You really have come up with an idea that no one else had before. And this is the defining an entrepreneur people don't understand. It's somebody with another idea and that grows to a huge extent that can serve the public. And the public needed to have better ornaments than as we see in the Christmas story and stuff, not those really pretty, gorgeous ornaments. And you learned it from someone else and you figured out this is a marketplace that I can go do. It is. And, and that's so true. It is a niche that I, I 
I kind of knew that there was an interest, but never to this scale. I mean, you don't grow up thinking you're going to be an ornament designer. My parents were doctors. They fully expected me to go into the medical profession. That wasn't in the cards for me. And I really, I was treading water. I worked in a talent agency. I had a birthday cake business. I, I worked as a model for FIT, the Fashion Institute in New York. Um, I had a bed breakfast. I mean, I had multiple income streams because I had to get by. And so Christmas ornaments initially became an additional income stream, but then it became my full-time job. I, I taught myself importing and wholesaling and packing and shipping and collecting from stores and everything and promoting and marketing. You know, the, the fact that, um, that, that artists and famous people started collecting my ornaments like Elton John and Bruce Springsteen. You know, I'd, I'd hear from stores that say, you'll never guess who was in here. Bruce Springsteen was just here. She, he bought the whole tree for his wife. Or Elton John, you know, phone call from Neiman Marcus, like, you'll never guess who was in here. He just bought out the whole department, you know, and it's like, wow, that's so amazing. The kid in me is like, I never thought this would really happen. But, you know, for me, it's it's about my heart and about serving people in a way that lifts them up. Yes, there's a, a business side. It has to, you know, make ends meet. But I love what I do. I, I'm, I'm, my journey right now is 100% about bringing joy to other people. And my Christmas ornaments, you know, like this guy right here, um, the, he's called December 24th. These are my way of bringing joy to people. Everyone has, you know, you do it through your radio shows or some people do it through writing books or making movies or what have you. I make them through Christmas ornaments and the ornaments become memory makers. Each year when you hang that ornament on your tree, you remember who gave it to you, where you bought it. Maybe it was an ornament when you just got married or you were traveling somewhere and you brought that ornament home with you. So your whole Christmas tree becomes like a family diary. And, and there's so much heart and emotion wrapped up in that. And so that's what I serve. I, I, I want to create legacy ornaments that will bring joy, not to people just to, to, uh, you know, of today, of this year, but for future generations. I, I kind of imagine that 100 years from now, you know, we'll all be living on Mars by then. But, you know, people sure. will probably have Christmas trees and they'll take out these beautiful ornaments and they'll say, wow, my great, great grandmother bought this in a store in Los Angeles back on Earth. And we still have this ornament today. So, I mean, I, it's that kind of legacy of the heart that I'm sharing with others uh, through my work. Can I ask a question about your heritage? Because I assume you're German and those ornaments were probably from Germany, from the Chris markets. Well, that's a really good question. Um, all my ornaments come from glass blowing. Uh, mm -hmm. The old uh, ones. The old ones. Yes, the old okay. ones were yeah. made in. Germany and Italy and Poland and the Czech Republic. So that okay. was the nexus for glass blowing. Yeah. All those countries had traditions going back a century. And so uh, in many cases, even today, I'm working with the great great grandchildren of the original glass blowers who probably made the ornaments that were on my parents' tree when I was a kid. That, that's what I was getting at. Uh, can you go into the process of the hand blowing? Because I understand that the, at least then they made plaster molds. And I'm assuming that the molten glass is blown into that mold. Yeah, Am I absolutely. Wrong? You're right. You know, it takes a human breath to breathe life 
into every single one of these ornaments that are blown from glass. And glass is a combination of all the elements, you know, fire, mineral, water, and air. So it kind of combines into making glass, um, which is this weird kind of substance. They, in science, they teach you it's a liquid crystal. So if you look at it up close, all the molecules are always moving. So anyway, um, what happens is uh, it's a seven day process. And on the first day, the glass blower takes a tube of glass and he blows a glass bubble, like a soap bubble, into a metal mold. Now, previous, you know, prior to, to, to making the, 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 the glass blown, we have to carve the mold. So I create a design, the mold maker makes the mold, and then the glass blower blows a clear glass bubble into the mold. When they open the mold up, out comes a clear glass Santa or angel or snowman. That's on day number one. They have to cure the glass overnight. So they heat it up and make sure all the all the, the new shape, that it'll stay in its new shape. Then on day number two, they silver the inside of the ornament with sterling silver. And it really is sterling silver, like the back of a, of a bathroom mirror or a mirror over your mantle or fireplace. The same kind of real, it's very thin. It's like a silver leaf, but it's real sterling silver on the inside of the ornament that makes it so shiny and reflective. Mm -hmm. Then on number three, they start with the general areas of lacquer, like the red jacket or the black boots on a Santa. And then on day number four, they start applying details like, like the, the blush on Santa's cheeks or I have an eyelash lady. All she does is paint the eyelashes on all the angels. That's her job. I'm the eyelash lady, she says. And so, you know, so each day we add more and more layers and has to dry before you go on to the next layer. And then on the final day, day number seven, they apply all the glitter. Like you can see how sparkly this ornament is. All that glitter, and I use 27 different kinds of glitter on these. So there's a lot of glitter to apply. And it makes a difference. People see it, they appreciate the quality, the originality of these ornaments, the craftsmanship. It's like turning the clock back a century and being able to go somewhere and pull that out of a workshop a century earlier and 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 be able to enjoy it today that's amazing just amazing thinking, thinking about now heartfully yours after you sold your company now you're like you continued what made you want to continue doing it and then now this collection of heartfully heartfully yours well you know i sold my previous company uh over 15 years ago and i i ended up being uh, an event planner i worked for turn movie classics i had a lavender business i was a lavender farmer so i did a lot of fun things um, but when my non, I had a really long non-compete, but when it expired, I thought, well, okay, what do I want to do in this kind of final lap around the track in my life? And I thought, you know, I still love Christmas. I still have a lot of new ideas that pop in my head. So I figured I'm, I'm going to start a new company, but a smaller one, a boutique company. And it's, it's going to be very thoughtfully, you know, created. Each design is very personally from me, from my heart. So it really is for all the collectors, all the fans, all the people that love beautiful glass ornaments. So I'm doing this for them. So that's why truly the name reflects that. It's heartfully yours. Mm. When it comes to collecting your ornaments, do you have any advice for those who are into that as to what to look for? Well, um, the, uh, the, the new company is just the first year, so they just hit the stores, uh, Heartfully Yours Ornaments. You can find an entire store listing on my website, heartfullyyours.com. There's a big store listing and all these stores can, you know, pack and ship and, you know, do mail order. But, um, you know, it's, it's about the quality. You want to look for the quality, the hand painting, the, you know, the, how the eyes are painted, that they're not sloppy or how the glitter is applied, um, how everything kind of meets in the molds, how it's beautifully painted, not just, you know, on the front, 
but it's equally yeah. you know, on the back, I mean, even like the Santa, he's called December 24th. He's got a really great face um, up there. Let's see how close we can get. But then he's got a really sparkly coat on the back. Now, normally people don't look on the back of the ornament, but I want it to be as sparkly and beautiful on the back as on the front. So, so there's a lot of that detail. You can feel the weight of the glass. It's not flimsy glass. They're made out of Pyrex glass or the European equivalent of Pyrex glass. And they're about the weight of an electric light bulb. So they're not that fragile. Yes, they are glass, no doubt about it. But if you can hold a light bulb, you know, like a hundred watt light bulb in your hands, you'll have no trouble with these ornaments. So it's about the quality, the craftsmanship, the originality of the designs. And of course, each ornament comes with a Heartfully Yours tag. So then you know it really is a Heartfully Yours brand ornament. And then on the flip side, there is a uh, insert that says, meet the artist. And there's my picture uh, and a little story about me as the artist, Christopher Radko, so that you know that I'm the artist behind the brand Heartfully right. Yours. Oh, very nice. Thank you. Now, you what do you? I'm sorry. Yeah. So I was going to say one more thing for Christopher. What do you want to tell all of the people that have, you know, been enjoyed your ornaments for so long? What what kind of Christmas message do you want to give them today? Gosh, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to 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 share some of that. You know, I for me, all holidays are a chance to connect with each other, to remember that there's more to life than just the daily grind, to come together with our family, our friends, our community, and celebrate life. You know, there's so much, you know, negativity in the press and whatever wars and, you know, economic issues. So, you know, there's all this kind of negative stuff out there. But the holidays serve as a little bit of a antidote, if you will. It's kind of like, um, you know, in that TV show, How the Grinch Stole Christmas and the Grinch stole, you know, the roast beast and all the ornaments. He stole everything. And yet all the who's of Whosville still came together hand in hand and sang that hauntingly beautiful song at the end of that show to show that kind of oneness, that community, that sense that we're all a family. And I think to me, that's the message of Christmas. Whatever your religion or faith is, or even if you're agnostic, it really doesn't matter. For me, it's a cultural celebration of coming together and, and, and extending an open hand to your neighbor and remembering that we're all connected. That's, that's the spirit that I try to share, not just at Christmas, but I try to live that spirit all year long. All right. Well, Dr. Ted, I know you have one more question for Christopher. Are you taking on any other holidays or just Christmas? A very good question. Yes. For my next year's collection, I'll be doing all, all the other holidays. So I'll be doing Halloween and Thanksgiving and 4th of July. I'll be doing, you know, Easter and Valentine's and, and bridal and baby shower and birthday ornaments and wedding ornaments, Hanukkah ornaments. Um, it was actually Barbara Streisand, of all people, many years ago, she put out this question like, how come you aren't doing Hanukkah ornaments? And she got me, you know, intrigued. I have a lot of friends who are in mixed marriages, mixed faith marriages. And so it's like, yeah, of course. Everything can go on a holiday tree, a Christmas tree. It can be a dreidel and menorah and a Santa and a snowman. It all, there's room for everything on this kind of very inclusive, pluralistic, you know, celebration of Christmas. So, um, yeah, next year I'll be breaking out into many other holidays and important life celebrations. You're going to be a busy guy. <laughs> all right. So best place to go. Where can we go? Christopher? Uh, the best place to go always is heartfullyyours.com. All right. You were fabulous, Christopher. Uh, again, Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. And I'm excited about the Halloween ornaments. I have some ideas for that. So appreciate you coming by. They will be there coming. They'll be on my website starting January. 
Uh, all right. Uh, cool. this, you're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show. We'll be back. We're back to the Neil Haley Show and also the Media Giant Effect. And you know what? I start to think about this. What if your loved one is suffering so much, has some memory loss is because of, of head injuries, and the holiday time is going to be a hard time for them. My guest today is going to really break things down of why you need to contact him and what ways that you really need to bring him in. Uh, so I'm excited to welcome Dr. Charles Simkovich, Simkovich Concussion Institute. Dr. Charles, again, you, you're such an invaluable asset to this program. Thanks for stopping by. Oh, you're welcome. It's always great to be here. Now, thinking about specifically enough, the holidays, what things have you heard from a lot of people brought patients in during this time and what they're dealing with right now? Holidays seem to be, especially Christmas, uh, a time where uh, certainly uh, anxieties and depressions are escalated uh, for, for many reasons, uh, memories of families lost and things, things like that. Uh, concussions always uh, manifest worse around holidays be because of the, the, the problems associated with concussion. The, uh, often the right, right brain can be overstimulated, which is the emotional brain, and that will just make anxieties and depressions and angers even worse. Um, you know, the blood flow to the brain can be compromised, which is going to affect memory. Uh, there have been studies done on the effect of uh, emotional stress, comparing it to physical stress, and the body really doesn't know the difference. A hematologist did a study uh, and and I and uh, evaluated blood samples on a perfectly healthy person and got a uh, standard. And then he looked at people who had physical trauma, such as a, a stab wound or a broken bone or a concussion, and the blood showed abnormal uh, qualities and characteristics. And then he uh, examined blood on somebody with emotional trauma, like a death or a divorce, and that blood showed the same uh, uh, problems as physical trauma. So the point is, emotional stress can bring on physical symptoms, and that's all fixable. It's all uh, uh, remediated through uh, the work we have, and we do. So a lot of times, patients can get great results when they're uh, struggling emotionally and with anxieties and depressions. Not only that, Anxiety and depression and anger can be exacerbated by just being in pain for so long and dealing with it. It gets people down there, just get sick of it. So it, it's a good time for people to um, actually come in and get looked at. It, it, it's, uh, it can turn their holidays around. And that's such an important thing when they look and do that because the fact is there, you know, headaches, the, the anger outbursts, all the different things that we've seen with concussions and possibly CTE that, you know, going to you now, you're open, you're not close for business during this time period, you really are, you have a mission to help as many people as possible that have uh, concussions, right? Isn't that correct? Right. right. We just uh, examined a girl today, came up from University of Tennessee because she's on Christmas break and she just uh, had a lot of uh, gymnastic uh, injuries and, and concussions and she's a freshman at college and she's tired of dealing with it. And told her mother, she goes, listen, you know, I, I know it's Christmas, but I need to get this dealt with. So examined her today and the week after Christmas, she's going to spend the week here. But I understand that, uh, you know, she's got a long life ahead of her. And, you know, you, it's good to resolve things that are, are fixable that in the past, a lot of people weren't able to fix. And that's the thing of what you're going to do. You're not just going to transform concussions. You're going to be, I think, what I see from your extent going to help all types of brain injuries and brain trauma and other things from the studies you're developing and learning, because we're finally 
you're hearing the truth. Just because you've had concussions doesn't mean you're going to have all these horrible symptoms the rest of your life. You can reverse all that by going and seeing you. So the best place to go is where? Uh, Simkovich Concussion Institute.com, and you'll get all the information you need. And follow all the different social media platforms. Make sure you check out all his different social media. He's available in all soon places on TikTok as well. He can't believe that as he's hearing these different things. But big things are coming in 2023 because he's transforming society and life because so many people in sports get hurt through head injuries. And so many people through car accidents, all these things, or just just a freak accident, their lives are done in less Dr. Charles Simkovich has an answer for you. So take care and appreciate it, Dr. Charles. Oh, thank you. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Mike Velarde Show. I'm excited to welcome the program. Mike Velarde. Mike, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, great, Neil. How are you? Good, good, good. Uh, really great guest we have again. Uh, we have him back again, and I'm excited to talk to him. Go ahead and introduce our guest. Yeah, General Blaine Hogue, welcome to the show. Always a pleasure to have you on. Hey, Mike, it's great to be back with you and Neil, and Merry Christmas to you both, and uh, Happy Hanukkah. Okay. All right, so Mike, I'm going to let you ask the questions to General Holt, because what happens a lot of times is I like his stance because he really plays it down the center in certain aspects, even though he's definitely conservative, that a lot of some of the mindsets of other people, and he really speaks to his truth, and that's what I liked the last time we had him on the show, Mike. Yes, so, well, well, let me start by saying this. The New York Post has been having a lot of, uh, uh, given a lot of time and effort to uh, exposing the Biden administration. One of the things they're um, writing about is the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan, as well as all the money that goes to China. And, and we'd certainly like to know your, your view on that. So this is a really great place to begin because this is, China and Afghanistan are really where the Biden national security team uh, gets started in their administration. And honestly, uh, their behavior in just those two seminal uh, uh, areas of our national security are um, uh, they are failures at the level that has weakened our nation and imperiled us and made us vulnerable uh, in all sorts of ways. And so when we start we get to Alaska with this uh, national security team and uh, Wang Yi, the uh, foreign minister of China, and they just hand it to us. We want to bring up foreign uh, or uh, human rights, and we publicly just get lashed. Um, as we get in closer to Afghanistan, we then skip past that march, and we see uh, Russian troops starting to mass in some number on the Ukrainian border. We just walk right past that. And then no matter what the Taliban does in breaking their parts of the, the de-escalation and eventual removal of American forces from uh, Afghanistan, no matter how many times they break those uh, commitments that they made in Paris, we just go right on through with a very haphazard, ill-advised, ill-executed uh, retreat. Um, and we project weakness like we haven't in decades and decades, if ever. And... And, and then what this leads to is an emboldened Moscow, emboldened Tehran, North Korea, China. And, and here we sit in arguably the most dangerous uh, threat matrix that the United States has ever faced. I mean, th this is becoming obvious to everybody on the right. 
I mean, we've we put America last is what we've done. Well, we, we shifted we shifted from America first, which was the last administration's moniker, the last administration, whether you like Trump or don't like Trump, it's not really the important thing. It's it's a whole team that embarked on um, demilitarization of our foreign policy. That was helpful. That was helpful to the economy um, instead of uh, uh, creating uh, ultimatums and threats. We went on the Abram. Uh, hand accords and really started bringing together once rivals and enemies uh, together in in under the name of commerce. Um, we would not put up with uh, poor trade deals that imperiled us. We wouldn't put up with military uh, uh, adventurism that imperiled us. And and honestly, we were safer, more prosperous. We paid less taxes, and and we enjoyed our lives. And and the contrast to what we have today. I mean, just if you look at our southern border. And an open-ended uh, uh, illegal immigration scam that you, you have to wonder, is it the illegal immigration that is more of a threat than the fentanyl that we see cutting across, killing uh, killing um, hundreds of thousands every year? So it's, 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 it's just stunning. And what I'm also stunned by is the amount of folks on the conservative side who call themselves conservatives, who just because they didn't like Trump are willing to cashier all of that, got in line with the Democrats, hit the printing presses on all the cash, printing seven trillion extra dollars and throwing it into an economy and uh, and destroying our economy and creating inflation. And they're all just fine with that. And here we are on the eve of an omnibus bill that um, not only seeks to print more money at the $1.5 trillion level, but if you read the fine print, as if any of them in D.C. will, if you read the fine print, it actually starts to remove some of our liberties when we start talking about congressional and federal candidates not being able to challenge the results of an election, that we're going to enshrine this concept called the big lie and nobody should want to investigate election integrity um, and the vice president will never have uh, that January 6th position again of affirming votes were done correctly. Um, this is dangerous um, to the republic and will break us if we continue on this path. Yeah. So he, this is the thing that concerns me is that the Republican side, and you said a lot of them don't really care because they want their pockets to be filled deep. It's about money at the end of the day, uh, General. And that's the concern is, well, we can keep printing money as long as I can continue to live the lavish lifestyle I'm living. When we know right. uh, one of my uh, colleagues, uh, Alan Porter, that we do a show called from called with Strategic Wealth Strategies talked about, again, when the tax cuts are, when Trump's tax cuts are removed, unless that basically everyone's taxes are gonna be doubled. And if we don't raise taxes on everyone at one point in time, we're going to end up in so much debt and so much trouble that Social Security will be bankrupt and everything in the next seven years. So why are we printing more money, General Holt? There's no reason. It, you don't need a fifth grade economics course to figure out that printing more money will destroy the wealth of the nation. Um, there's there's this tried, true establishment accepted plan to correct these moments and we're watching this pain go on from the federal reserve which i wish was not a part of our nation's fabric um but what they do is and their solutions are to uh destroy the economy with intent on raising interest rates so that they break the demand side of the equation 
where <laughs> Ronald Reagan proved, Art Laffer proved that if you if you work on the supply side of the equation, in other words, encouraging businesses, getting rid of regulations, making it a stimulating a creativity, let's build businesses environment. Well, then everything else takes care of itself and the people don't have to go through the pain. Um, the Republicans are just to me right now as a, as a body writ large, they're just no different than the Democrats. It's just that they want to spend money on their interests and their purchasing of there's votes. no money. And, there's no more yeah. money. That's the thing, uh, General Holt. There's no more money. We're going to break it. We are going to break it is what is going to happen. Now, here's my concern. It's the liberty part of this. So we break the economy. We reset this fiat currency. You you don't need a tinfoil hat to understand that they're very serious about this concept of uh, central bank digital currency. And guys, that's the path to China. That's the path to Marxism. What, what will happen eventually is, and you, you're seeing it with these Chinese protests and how that went, um, we'll just control your behavior. If we don't like uh, your political speech, um, then we'll just turn off your bank account. And and when you start to behave, we'll turn it back on. But that's what that's going to lead to. And people can say, well, he's an alarmist. He's this, he's that. Ah, you better be careful. Go back to 2019 and before the first uh, word COVID was said and ask yourself if you could have foreseen all these events in the last three years or us getting to this place. <laughs> I bet you couldn't. Totally. Go ahead, Mike. Next question. I, yeah. I'm going to stick in this direction of the Republicans and Democrats are wrong, that basically we're not looking at things in a financial way. We need a president of the United States and Congress that really looks at money and really says you got to be on a budget. You got to save for retirement. You got to do these things. You got to live healthy. You got to do this. This is who we need in office, not people that just want to spend money and, and live lavish lifestyles, Mike. No, I agree. I mean, I mean, the Republicans are talking about three possible impeachments come January. One is Mayorkas, Helmeland Security, allowing the border crisis. The other is Garland, what he's doing with Trump. And of course, Biden for his money to China. What do you think will happen in, in January when the Republicans actually take over? I'm, um, I'm not that optimistic, Mike. And I think, okay, fine. You just announced three trophy bucks that they could go after. Um, this list is much longer. <laughs> why, why don't we expand this out to what uh, Jen Granholm has uh, recklessly done with our energy policy? Why don't we expand this out to Buttigieg, who feels like he needs to be on a big vacation the night before the world, uh, the United States' biggest potential rail strike? Um, these folks are very dangerous and um, and need to be held to account. What I'm very dubious of is will they be? Um, uh, because I see things like the omnibus and I go, you, you're all you're interested in is is in maintaining the swamp just the way the swamp is and everybody maintaining their position in the swamp while we the people uh, are are basically sacrificed. Uh, you know, if we get back to the liberty side of the equation, I got a real quick solution that I don't think most Americans would not be in support of. And that is um, you professional politicians have outspent us. You can no longer afford the government that you have constructed. And we, the people, want to take it away from you. So go ahead and just wax 50 percent of the entire thing. No growth numbers. No for inflation. None of that. Uh, whack it by 50% and uh, whatever goes back to the states goes back to the states. And we can start there because um, we're the self-governed. You you don't just tell us uh, uh, what what our next tax picture is going to be like. We want to foreclose on you. 
right. <laughs> I think that's the attitude we should have. That's the 16th Amendment that my humble yep. opinion should go away. <laughs> right. So, I mean, Mike, what, 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 I guess the next step, General Holt, is basically what do you recommend? Are you going to yeah. be running for office someday? It sounds like you're ready <laughs> to be a candidate. Oh, I think about it all the time, just between us kids. But what I will uh, tell you is I think there's this. So here's what happens that's so cool if you actually take us to the bottom. <laughs> um, when we all are awoken and we're upset and we've lost our 401ks and we've lost our freedom and uh, we can only speak in a certain way and we're going to be censored. And now you want our guns and all the rest of it. Um we tend as Americans to get very irritated. We don't like suffering. We actually like building and creating and fixing. The fix in my view um, is let's get first a constitutional sanctuary. Uh, and what I mean by that is, and what we're working on at my organization, Restore Liberty um, that I co-founded um, is encouraging governors and legislatures across the United States to think in terms of <clears throat> well, they had an illegal immigration sanctuary. Why not a sanctuary for the Constitution that, um, you know, you see some of this activity in Florida with Ron DeSantis. Uh, Missouri has done some things, but bring governors together to form an alliance to say um, federal overreach and unconstitutional laws are not going to be enforced in this state. So you, you we'll use our sheriffs or whatever we have to do. And by the way, sheriffs have a lot of constitutional power. People should read about that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then. And then from that level, we can move that next to what many of us have been talking about, um, the Convention of States project or Article 5 invocation. I don't mean the organization. I mean a true Article 5 invocation uh, to say, look, we're going to bring together two thirds of the states are going to call for this convention. Three quarters are going to agree on a common agenda. And we're going to um, propose and ratify amendments to the Constitution that goes right around DC. They have no control of it. This is what the framers had always intended as the big circuit breaker. And um, and from there, we could get term limits. We could get balanced budget amendments. We can um, start to collar these professional politicians that the framers had never envisioned would be taking us uh, to the bank uh, uh, right. this way. So, so that's how you crawl back and get your country back. And a lot of people would say, these are extremist solutions. And it's like, well, um, do you not see extreme things happening in our nation right now? I mean, if you look at the popular press right now, they're normalizing the language of gender reassignment, sexualization of children. Um, these are things that just rip through the news cycle and we don't stop as a nation to go, oh my gosh, this is horrific. That's not even who we are. This is <laughs> what what is happening to our country. Um, we we need to now hit the emergency circuit breaker that the framers had intended for us and go down this path. And that's what I advocate for. And honestly, it, uh, Restore Liberty is not a red blue organization or a Democrat, uh, 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 a Republican organization. It's an American organization that says, listen, our Constitution is prime. We have our rights and freedoms. We insist that we keep them. And if if you think we're not sovereign, we are and we're self-governed. And if you think that's not true, well, then you're the problem, not us. No doubt. Wow. Go ahead, uh, Mike. What are your thoughts on this? Again, it's pretty, pretty much a radical idea, yet has to change something. Or as he said, our country, I think that if it happens, Mike, you basically have a bankrupt country and a country we don't even know about. And I don't know if we can come back like your book says, Mike. Uh, well, I, I know. Uh, I mean, let's turn to what's going to happen in two weeks when they're going to let everybody in through our border. 
What could we do right. about that? Article four. Well, the the people who wield power in our nation have determined on both sides. This is not just a dem thing. That an open border is what they want, and now they're going to take our customs and border patrol. Are, are heroes there. I mean, absolute heroes. These men and women who every day get spat on, they get um, uh, rocks thrown at them from their own leadership, which wants to arrest them for pictures of whatever. And we now want to assign them to administrative duties so that everybody can just walk right across. And, and then in the omnibus, what you're going to find is the language that at least takes the dreamers and says, here's your path to citizenship. Um, this is an outrage. It's an outrage to all Americans, unless you're in the power elite who either wants cheap labor for uh, big corporations or you seek a whole new class of voters. And it's so funny because the, the Democrats will say, well, no, we're not. This is not about voting. This is about uh, hum, you know, humanitarian uh, uh, effort here. And, and it's like, well, you could say that. But I know personally with the uh, amount of Afghans that are our friends and I'm trying to get out of Afghanistan as we speak, um, the State Department is closing off their lanes of evacuation. State Department is denying all of their F1 student visa requests. State Department is saying, no, thank you. Now, why would that be? It's because if they come to the United States, they have stories to tell. Stories to tell about a nation that uh, turned its back on them and Operation Enduring Freedom meant really nothing more than as long as it's less than 20 years, then you can have enduring freedom, but after 20. <laughs> and so, and I'm not advocating that we should have been there forever. There was just other ways to get out that were not pursued correctly. So um, this is the state of play for the country. But if you, if you break us, eventually we're going to say, ah, not in, we're, we're not, we're actually not going to do this. Well, it's comforting to know we'll have 87,000 new IRS agents. I thought my, <laughs> I I thought my debt will change now because it, the funding won't happen. Well, that's that's going to be up to the Republicans because because they've already hired 5,000. 4,000 are trained and start the beginning of January. The other 1,000 are getting hired this month and then it'll come on in February and March after training. Now, that's going to bring on as many service. as they can. Yeah, they're going to bring on as many as they can before the Republicans yeah. get activated on that issue. Um, <clears throat> you know, what will uh, uh, McCarthy do here if he becomes the speaker? Um, he will, if he leads that legislation, will they in fact roll back the 87,000 from, from the aspect of um, that they will let go of the ones that they just recently hired in a last ditch effort to do that. I'm going to suspect that they won't. Um, and, and furthermore, I think we're still in, in basic trouble because you've got this mentality in DC because nobody apparently knows what an economics book looks like that um, uh, if you're out of money in DC, just go tax people more and then you can have more money. Uh, the problem is, is uh, John Q. Public's broke. Uh, and John Q. Public really doesn't need um, a new set of eyeballs on their doorstep or finding out that they spent $601 on a Venmo app. Um, and, and honestly, it's just going to get in your face and it's another rollback of your liberties. Um, my aggressive answer <laughs> would be, um, why do we have the 16th Amendment? And is it serving us as a nation? 
um, because the, you know, the bad behavior done not with our tax dollars, because no tax dollars that the three of us are going to pay are going to go to one bullet in Ukraine. They're right. not going to go to one um, a baby formula can for an illegal alien. They're not going to go to any of that. Our great, great grandchildren's money will. Um, but but the people in power today go, you know, I don't I don't care about any of that. I I, I have insider trading here. And I just want to get my slice. They're going to get paid because be a, they're not thinking yeah. of tomorrow. They want to get paid. They don't so, care. So, they so don't term care. limits will yep. change all this. They'll be held yes. accountable. Term limits you, will change all this because then you, once yeah. they get in bed with the Democrats and they know it's big money and caviar and all those dreams, they become exactly the same. There's no difference. And it, it, we're no longer a true free republic as uh, what our forefathers wanted. And to think about taxes, that's the funniest part of literally what we were, we were taxed compared to what we're taxed now. And if everyone, if you ran on taxes, do you think General Holt, if the Republicans decide just to run on taxes alone, do you think they would have won in more of the midterms? Um, they would have, I think, Again, you know, crazy Jake here. I'm going to have a different answer for just about everything. Um, I I think that where the Republicans went wrong, and I wrote about this on my blog, um, is you had a civil war amongst the Republicans. You had the leadership establishment in the Republican Party that went after anything that remotely looked like an America first candidate or a Trump backed candidate. You know, millions of dollars were pulled out of campaigns, J.D. Vance's campaign, Oz, Herschel Walker. There was eminent resources to run those campaigns effectively. And quite honestly, I don't think we've uh, got uh, election integrity uh, correct yet. Uh, until I see a zero trust environment with the ballot box and blockchain technology, I don't think we're serious about it, quite quite frankly. So um, you could come up with, well, if we'd run on taxes, we would have been better if we'd run. Uh, the Republicans could start acting like Conservatives and they might do better, but what 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 happens is is uh, you get Mitch McConnell up here, who's now uh, courting the Democrats on 1.5 trillion dollars to bring the entire spend in the last couple of years up to about eight five to ten trillion, um, and justifies that and says, well, these are remarkable times, so we we're going to need these resources, um, and Americans are awake. And they're just we're just we're just angry. We're just sitting here watching them. And if we can't get them out of the ballot, uh, get them out by the ballot box. Well, then it's time to start thinking of other measures. And that's why the Constitution affords us the ability to have an Article five action. And and these professional politicians, they, they, they always tout themselves as well. You know, you've got to be in Congress 40 years to get to the point where you can do something. I don't think that's true. I think that's ridiculous. I think you you got to be in the if you want a hundred and sixty seven thousand dollar a year job and you're willing to pay one hundred and fifty four million dollars like Warnock did to get it. Right. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. <laughs> wow. Wow. OK, so the, 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 what are we going to do, General Holt? Do you think the people over at Newsmax uh, and especially other contributors are thinking more of your mindset? Do you think that Trump is the answer to change this country, meaning Trump in 2024 and to go MAGA is the best way to win the election and change this demographics of, of, of Democrats and Republicans? Or do they have you have to have a new idea? That's uh, for the Republican Party for the future, not not MAGA and Trump. 
Sure. A lot to unpack there. So at Newsmax, one of the things that um, just endears me to this team so much is that <clears throat> Newsmax has a great diversity of thinking. They get uh, oftentimes, you know, people will throw rocks at them on social media saying, oh, they're an ultra right wing conservative this. Uh, that's not true. There is a diversity of opinion uh, at Newsmax. And, and what I like is that there's as long as it's fact based and you've got uh, a, a, a cogent argument, well, then it has a home at Newsmax. And that, that is that is absolutely great. Not not everybody's perfect and everybody gets it right. But I but I really like that. As far as uh, where are we going next? It's it's I, I am not convince you know this is what's great about our system is we don't have to pick a nominee right now and there are many that are going to be interested in running for president in 2024 um and that needs to shake out president trump uh you know god bless him for all that he's been through but um going into the next cycle he will have to compete and that's okay that he competes we want to see the 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 range of ideas that are out there for what needs to happen with the country next but um, we should take a little time to explore, you know, where are we going to find the next round of leaders for arguably the, the worst position the country's been in since the Great Depression or the Civil War or the Revolutionary War. And um, and so whether, you know, what, what 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 I'm looking for and what I think most Americans will be looking for is a candidate that's going to want to return to founding principles first principles, that it's okay to say one nation under God, that it's not bigoted or racist to say that the Constitution is the law of the land and reigns supreme, that will support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign, domestic, and they mean it. Uh, that's the candidate that will be the most attractive to the population. Back to election integrity, if you want to try to tell me that with this stellar performance of the past two years of all our politicians, that statistically we just went back and voted for all the incumbents, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna tell you I've got a sailboat to sell you that's about ten feet below the water here in uh, the lake Lake Coeur d'Alene. <laughs> all right. Well, you know what it is. You got all those Civil War veterans. They keep mailing in ballots for the Democrats. Yeah. <laughs> but so I just said the way to do that and change that is so simple. Go ahead and. Make a run for mail-in balloting on your end. Get as many people as possible, and then that will offset it. That's the bottom line. Well, that, I've heard a lot of that thinking recently. You hear people going, okay, fine. Well, then the Republican Party is going to get into ballot harvesting. And, no, and no, ballot no, I wouldn't ballot harvest. I would tell them, get the yeah. people that would never vote to go vote by having a ground game that way. All right, well, we yeah. do have to roll. Best place we can, again, check out your organization is where, General Holt? So it's restore-liberty.org. And uh, we'd love for you to come check us out. Uh, we're definitely trying to get more professionalized this year. We're in 44 states on less than 50,000 bucks. Uh, but now we want to really kind of get a fundraiser going this year. So we're ready for the 2024 cycle and for the various things that we want to get after. Uh, you can always check out my blog on Newsmax. If you come to Insiders on the Newsmax uh, front page, uh, my blog site is called The Irascible Disruptor. And uh, I would love to have you and, and I get Great feedback and brutal feedback, and I'll take it all, and I can I can take it. But I just appreciate you both and this conversation today, and and being yeah, here. absolutely, it's very interesting, and it's interesting your thought process. And will we go to that level, or will we 
uh, figure out a good happy medium for this country because the extreme right or left, it's not going to work. It, it, it's going to hurt because no one's going to feel is it, we don't get along. We're a depressed country. We're in bad shape and we have to recover. And the next leader has to do it. And it's MikeVillardiBooks.com to find out that the world's going to end with at least the United States <laughs> winning tax solutions.com <laughs> where your life's going to end because you're going to have to pay more taxes and you need to contact Mike or Mike Villardishow.com. Appreciate you both. Fantastic show and take care. Hey, thank, thank you. Take care. All right. That was the Mike Villardi show guys. Take care. We're back to Neil Haley show. And you know, it's always great to talk to people who transform people, uh, you know, media giant effect as well. I've tried to transform people for 13 years, talking about things from helping people with education to all the areas of entrepreneurship, social media marketing. But my guest today is the author of Fireproof, David Hollenbach. And we're going to learn more about your grand strategy for transforming failure into fuel for your future. David, thanks for stopping by, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me. All right. So basically, you know, this this process, how did this all start for you? Well, I, I spent 23 years in the fire service. And uh, in 2019, you know, I, I was struggling uh, with, with PTSD. Uh, I'd worked in a lot of really busy firehouses in, in Central Florida. Saw a lot of really bad stuff and uh it, it, if you don't deal with it it tends to sh rear its head uh you know when when you don't want it to and uh in 2019 i, I was struggling pretty bad not sleeping uh, a lot of nightmares and all that and uh was doing <clears throat> my was doing my best to just wreck my personal life you know making a lot of poor decisions and it bled over into my professional career. And, uh, I ended up losing my career, um, oh, and essentially losing my identity. I went from being a very well-respected chief officer to, uh, you know, just somebody that was struggling, uh, to figure out who in the world he was. And, uh, I had to dig deep, um, really buried myself in philosophy and and writing in my journal and you know got the the mental health help that i i needed finally and uh started to go ahead and finish a book that i'd been working on for like 10 years it started off as a leadership book and uh it, it transformed into something much more um a lot of the the tools that I use to help other firefighters, fire officers grow in their professional career and in their personal life, I hadn't really been applying in my own life. And uh, when I when I started pulling all that stuff out and going through it myself, finally, uh, it it really revealed itself to be something very powerful. It, it helped me change things in my life. Um, and really helped me create a, a grand strategy for my life, really identifying that end state, that, that final stage where you look back on your life and, you know, either you're proud of what you've done or embarrassed, um, right. or regretful. And 
when I come to the end of my life, I want to be able to look back and know that I impacted people's lives for the better. And, and I think that's what most people want when exactly. they look back. You and, definitely want to create a legacy and you're trying to create that legacy. So after what happened in your career and, you know, going through addiction and now being overcome you know, PTSD and all that and overcoming these different things, what are you doing now? You're writing the book. Are you speaking? What is your ultimate goal of what you're doing? So I'm, I'm helping other people that have struggled uh, to, you know, identify themselves after losing their career or, you know, maybe they want to refine their purpose in life and, and really do something important because I think a lot of people start off uh, with good intentions and then get caught up in the rat race, building wealth and that sort of thing. And then forget why in the world they were trying to build that wealth in the first place. Uh, so I, I coach, I mentor, I do speak, uh, I um, do workshops and I host a podcast. And what do you, what are your, what is your hope? Like all this, you're trying to get people, what is the ultimate message that you try to bring as a coach and as a speaker and author? Well, failure is just part of the journey. You know, when, when we go through life and we push ourselves, you know, we're going to fall down. It's, it's those experiences that make us better. The best lessons that I've learned in my life have come out of, you know, very humbling experiences. And um, I, I want to help people when, when they fall to get back up and realize that that's yeah. not the end, you know? No, it's definitely not the end. And the, the, the challenge that we all do, we have such a great message is finding the right people to hear that message as a coach and everything. What do you recommend other people to try to get that message out? Because everyone's trying to do this and look at it in 2023, how they can make a difference. What's your recommendation of how to start out doing this after you've done this journey of writing a book, being a podcaster and all these different things? Well, it starts off with really digging deep and discovering your core values. And I've got some exercises in my book Uh uh, they're tools that I've used with other clients and used for myself and, and my family. Uh, and it just, you know, you lay out this path, you can build a strategy and set goals for yourself, uh, starting as far back as you can, uh, it, well, as far into the future as you can, uh, identifying the the ultimate end state that you want to achieve and work your way back. And you, you end up discovering that there's so many different paths to get to the same spot. And if we start from where we're at now, we a lot of times can only see one path to get to where we want to go, but there are so many other ways uh, to achieve that. And so the, the tools that I lay out in the book really help a person identify those things that are going to keep them driving forward when things get tough. 
Yeah, those things that get tough driving forward is is the biggest challenge because when you think you have these goals, you set these goals, you lay them out, and you know everyone's looking at twenty twenty three. I don't know why the end of the year always the next year is our next thing when we should be working on our goals right now on December nineteenth when we're recording this show. We shouldn't be looking. Okay, twenty twenty three. It's like the calendar that makes us decide when to start. That's ridiculous, David. Because ultimately, we shouldn't be, I know it's probably because of holidays and the way everything is aligned. But at that time period, even though we have other distractions, we have holidays to attend, parties to attend, different aspects, we still shouldn't shut ourselves down. We should still always still be growing. We should always be writing goals. We shouldn't make a decision once it hits, you know, New Year's, then I'm going to make a decision. What do you recommend people that are indecisive in those times? And just saying, ah, I'm going to wait till 2023. I'm going to wait a couple more weeks. So I'm going to wait a couple more months. What do you say to them? You're postponing, you know, your destiny. I mean, you're postponing achievement. You're postponing growth. And if you're not growing, you're decaying. I mean, if you if you just stagnate, uh, I feel like when you put things off, you're just building a buffer, a bigger and bigger buffer a day in and day out. Um, start now, start small, you know, do something small today, add a little bit tomorrow uh, and just build on that. Um, yeah. There's that 1% rule. Just add 1% each day, you know? And that's what you try to do when you coach your clients. What types of clients do you coach usually? Well, they're a bulk are from, you know, public safety, law enforcement, firefighters, that sort of thing. I do have some professional clients that are entrepreneurs. Um, you know, yeah, that's. And, and the, the thing is that people need someone to talk to and somebody that's going to guide them because you need a second uh, set of eyes to guide you towards a journey. The best successful people in life have multiple coaches as you know, Michael Jordan did and different people of success and they had a coach for everything. And really we have to invest ourselves to be successful. That's for sure. Yeah. It, it tends to, you know, there's those informal coaches that we have. And uh, I, I've, it wasn't until I started paying somebody that you, you actually feel like you've got skin in the game and you better do what they're coaching you to do. Cause I mean, you're paying for this advice. Let's put it to use, right? <laughs> exactly. If we don't and put it to use our podcast, put it to use and all those different things. So David, where's the best place people can connect with you and purchase your book. Where's the best place? Well, my book is available everywhere. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, a lot of online bookstores that I've never heard of. Uh, and you know, there's it's in Barnes and Noble. Um, and then of course on my website, hollenbachleadership.com, uh, you can order it there. I believe right now it's a little bit cheaper on Amazon. Uh, so you could go there. I think they're running a deal on it through December. So you can get it about half price right now. Wow. Um, but you can connect with me on hollenbachleadership.com. My, uh, podcast is there and other podcasts that I've been on, uh, are, uh, stored there as well. So, well, we appreciate it, David. Thank you for your service again for all those years, and now how you're helping people in another way. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. You're thanks welcome for having me. All right, you're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Mm -hmm.